superchargers, headlights, and more. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. With over 122 million parts and eBay guaranteed fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Plus, with prices that don't break the bank, you can stay on your A-game. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome into Fantasy Pros. This is the Fantasy Football Podcast. Tara Roberts here along with Pat Fitzmorris and Billy Muzio. And today is our ranking show. We'll be going through the Fantasy Pros rankings tiers for week 10. Pat and Billy will be providing their thoughts on players in each tier. And there is no better pair to provide analysis on these rankings. You can find Billy at FFMuzio. You can find Pat at Fitz underscore FF. And you can find me at It's Tara Time. So let's get ready. We're going to dive in here because their insight will absolutely help you with your fantasy matchups this week. We'll be covering our rankings for running backs first. And there's a ton to talk about here. Running backs. Before we get started, don't forget to subscribe, of course, and turn on notifications. Now, we'll start off here with our top 20 players. Our consensus rankings and tiers can be found at fantasypros.com rankings. Now, Pat, looking at these top 20 players, is there anything that really stands out here for you? Oh, look at Bijan Robinson out of the top 10, Tara, at RB11 in a great matchup against the Cardinals, too. Like, this is the matchup you want. It's just sad that um, we have seen Tyler Algier get more carries this season than Bijan Robinson without Bijan being hurt. I mean, he had the one uh, infamous one carry game where he had, you know, the illness, but uh, no injuries, and he is being outcarried by Tyler Algier, a day three pick from uh, last year. So that's really sad, but it's it's hard to argue that he should be any higher when he's just not getting carries befitting his talent. Absolutely insane. Not even just Tyler Algier, even John U. Smith is getting a carry at the goal line. We are in crazy <sighs> land in Atlanta. Billy, in this top 20, what stands out to you? James Cook sitting at RB20. Uh, there's been a lot of uncertainty at the position for him. And uh, we, the usage has been there from time to time. But um, last week only saw six rushing attempts, although that was 55% of the of the snaps. Um, that being said, he's kind of got the Fournette news kind of lingering over him. The matchup is great uh, against Denver, but we just don't know what the usage is going to look like. So uh, kind of interesting to see him inside the top 20, uh, despite kind of the lack of usage as of the recent weeks. I completely agree with you. Maybe it says something about the landscape of running backs as a whole. I mean, we'll dive into it here, going and seeing who falls outside of that top 20. And if any of those guys are kind of got the same issues that James Cook has. Now, as a reminder, guys, just for in-depth analysis on any of these players, go to fantasypros.com slash rankings. And for updated rankings, make sure that you are using our My Playbook app. And we'll go ahead and dive in here with the B minus tier. We talked about some of these guys. I mean, we talk about them on a weekly basis here. But this B minus tier starts off with Najee Harris, Juba Hubbard, Alexander Madison, and Brian Robinson. We're going to pause right here and we're going to talk about a couple of players in this tier. It is small, but it is impactful. And these are players that could go either way in terms of their production and these 
theoretical split backfields. Uh, let's start things off with Chuba Hubbard, who maybe isn't theoretically in a split backfield anymore as the technical RB1 there over in the Carolina Panthers. But is that RB1 status in Carolina really amounting for something that we can truly use? ECR has him at RB21. Pat, you've got him at RB24. Billy, you've got him at RB25. So you guys are really in consensus over here, being a little bit lower on Chuba Hubbard. Pat, I'll start off with you. What is the hesitation here with Chuba Hubbard? Yeah, I mean, like the the usage over the last three games has been attractive. Snap shares of 65% or higher, and his touch counts in those three games, 20, 17, and 20. Um, Appealing usage, no question, but Chuba's fantasy finishes in the last three weeks, tied for RB7, RB36, RB24. Um, that first week when he had the top 10 finish, he had 90 yards from scrimmage and a touchdown against the Dolphins. But the last two weeks, he's averaged 60.5 scrimmage yards and 3.27 yards per touch. Um, I, I'm not totally convinced that Hubbard is going to remain a 20-touch-a-game workhorse. Yes, he's become the starter, but Frank Reich came out and said like a few weeks ago this was going to be a backfield by committee. And I think we basically hit Chuba's touch ceiling here. And the results have been less than spectacular. So um, also the Panthers have one of the worst offenses in the league, uh, 31st by DVOA. So the touchdown potential isn't great. And the matchup with the Bears this week, yeah, it it's good, but it's not spectacular. I mean, the Bears have allowed the eighth most fantasy points to running backs, but they actually rank seventh in DVOA against the run. So they're not that easy a team to run on. Um, a lot of the production they've given up has been in the passing game to running backs. So... Not a super matchup, uh, not super efficient production by Chuba Hubbard, and I'm not totally convinced that he is going to be a workhorse going forward. Billy, are you on the same page there in terms of feelings about Chuba Hubbard? Yeah, I kind of just want to say ditto with everything Pat said, like the easy <laughs> route here. The, I think he touched base on a lot of the – the, the correct metrics that I've been looking at when I, when I do these rankings and, and Chicago on the ground has only given up 3.2 yards per carry. They're very stout in the air. Actually, they do give up the most yards per reception to running backs at 10.5. Um, they've got 578 yards in the air to running backs and five touchdowns in the season. So they can be gashed that way. I think that's what Chuba's going to have to to do the damage. Um, but when we look at his usage in the passing game last week was promising. So we saw uh 19% target share last week, but prior to that, it was 7%, 3%, 6%, 7%. So um, we have to wonder, is that 19% going to be sticky or are we going to see this kind of regress back down closer to the the single digits or are we going to see low double digits? And so um, if, if that's a scenario, then I don't think that we can comfortably rank Chuba much higher than where Pat and I have him. Uh, just because Chicago has been tough on the ground. And, and if he's not getting the air work where they're beatable, then it's going to be hard for him to put with fantasy points. Yeah, I think that's the key there, the air yards. We did have the change in play calling last week. So maybe that's an indication that maybe this will stick, but it's tough to trust. Maybe we did just a bigger sample size before we feel super comfortable with it. So I kind of agree with you guys in terms of being a little bit further back on Chuba Hubbard. Another one here that's a little bit controversial, maybe getting less controversial because of the injury to Cam Akers, Alexander Madison. ECR has him at RB23. Pat, you've got him at RB22. Billy, you've got him at RB19. Presumably, we'll have the stronger workload in that backfield, although we do still have Ty Chandler there. Uh, Billy, I'll start off with you. Are you. In terms of how you're looking at Alexander Madison, are you pushing him up a little bit higher because you just see that increased workload for him? 
Yeah, it breaks down to just the total uh, total pie and the availability that's going to be out there. Um, we talked last week about Cam Akers and kind of the lack of the takeover that uh, most people were pushing um, into the week. Um, this still was 30% to 40% on a week-to-week basis of volume. Um, eliminating that piece of the pie, we're not expecting all that volume to go to Ty Chandler because Ty Chandler was already partly involved. So we can say bits and pieces are going to go each way to Madison and to Ty Chandler. That being said, anytime we do have a condensed pie um, and the opportunity shares being uh, you know divided in, in less pieces, it only means more opportunities and more opportunities we know is king in fantasy football, which is going to equate to more points. So um, he hasn't been the most efficient runner. He hasn't been the most efficient pass catcher. Um, but if you know, he's kind of seen six. 16 carries two weeks in a row. Um, if we go back prior to the Cam Maker signing, weeks three, four, you know, and even week six, he was seeing 20 touches, 20 carries, 17 carries, 18 carries. We can get closer to that 20 carry mark here, even against a, a stout New Orleans defense. Um, the volume's going to kind of offset the inefficiencies. So this a pure volume play for me. Um, and I think that as long as, as they're having some quarterback struggles, the running backs are going to also get a little bit more targets in the passing game as we see some more dump offs. So overall volume, kind of lack of consistency at the quarterback play, uh, all, all equating to Madison kind of bumping up the rankings. Mm, that's a good point there on the quarterback situation there, the change over to Dobbs. Uh, Pat, how about you? Were you feeling um, the volume increase for Alexander Madison here? Yeah, um, a bit of a safety net now for him as far as the volume goes with no cam acres to worry about. Um, the Dobbs thing, I'm actually wondering if that might increase Alexander Madison's rushing efficiency a little bit, because we typically see that with mobile quarterbacks, um, you know, keeping those linebackers frozen for an extra split second because of the running threat they pose and and uh, making the running backs a little bit more dangerous. So Madison, quite frankly, could use the efficiency boost. He's averaging 3.7 yards per carry, has not scored a rushing touchdown, and he's actually gone five straight games without hitting 50 rushing yards. So I understand the trepidation. He hasn't been super productive as a runner, but he has been pretty productive as a pass catcher on pace for 43 receptions and around 300 receiving yards. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think Alexander Madison's touchdown potential was pretty non-existent with Jaron Hall at quarterback. And I think Joshua Dobbs keeps this Minnesota offense viable. So, uh, you know, and I, I think even in a tough matchup against the Saints, that keeps Alexander Madison in RB2 territory. I agree. I agree. Moving on to the C-plus tier, we've got a couple of guys that we want to pull out here. We've got Donta Foreman, Gus Edwards, Jalen Warren, and Jerome Ford. We'll start off with Donta Foreman here. ECR has him at RB25. Pat, you've got him at RB29. Billy, you've got him at RB27. So both of you a little bit further back on here. We've got the potential return of uh, Khalil Herbert here, who is putting in full practices. It is a Thursday night game. So I guess that kind of, you know, muddies the waters in terms of what we can truly expect here. And we don't have any details as of yet in terms of what kind of workload that Khalil Herbert would be coming back to. But we did see Foreman kind of seemingly overtake Roshan Johnson there. So 
are you guys still kind of in on Foreman or is this kind of a hesitate and do it, you know, just avoid it if you can, but if you have to plug him in, do so. Billy, I'll start off with you. Um, Donta Foreman, RB27. What's the level of comfort there for you? Uh, no comfort right now until I know the status of Khalil Herbert. So if Khalil Herbert's in, um, I got some serious doubts and concerns as we look back at the beginning of the season um, when all three of them were active. There was, you know, five straight weeks nearly of of being inactive for Dante Foreman. I don't think he would be inactive moving forward. I think he's earned the, the chance to be on the field moving forward. Um, and it's probably going to be Darrington Evans as the odd man out moving forward. But that being said, it will drastically kind of shake up the pecking order of this backfield and who's getting the one-two down. And, and and more than likely, we're going to have this committee approach of Khalil Herbert being the running back between the 20s, Dante Foreman being the short yardage goal line back. And then we're probably going to see Roshan Johnson, who's the best pass protector, being there during third down. So um, it's kind of a muddied situation right now. Once we have more clarity, it's going to give us a little bit more uh, basis to, to do our projections and rankings on. But until we get that official word on Khalil Herbert, this is kind of a placeholder ranking. Pat, how about you? Is if if let's say if Khalil Herbert comes back, is there is it is there any chance you could use Foreman? I kind of am thinking I'm along the lines with Billy that he's going to be worked in in very specific situations, and maybe it just kind of eats away at everyone's effectiveness as a whole. Yeah, I don't want to play him in PPR leagues um, because we know there's very little pass catching upside and. So I'm basing this ranking RB29 on the assumption that Khalil Herbert is going to be back. And maybe the thing you can hang your hat on is just that the Panthers have been such a good matchup for opposing running backs. But here's the thing. Maybe the Panthers are fixing their run defense a little bit. I believe they had their bye in week seven and they came back um, after giving up 130 or more rushing yards in each of their first six games, came back from bye go against the Texans, give up 110 yards. Then last week, they gave up a season-low 78 rushing yards to Jonathan Taylor and the Colts. So maybe the Panthers have actually figured out something with their run defense, and they're not going to be a pushover anymore on the ground, Um, in which case, man, there is not a lot to get excited about with Donta Foreman getting, you know, maybe around a one-third snap share, one-third touch share, and really no utility in the passing game whatsoever. So, um yeah, I'm not really excited about using Donta Foreman this this week, Tara. This is why I love these conversations, these little tidbits here, because we've got these defenses that appear to be good matchups, but this information from you, Pat, in terms of how they could be trending in a better direction, that kind of helps you kind of look at the situation and maybe lean back a little for things that look like good matchups but aren't advantageous situations more recently. I think that makes a lot of sense there. Let's talk about one more person here in the C-plus tier. Jalen Warren here, another guy, kind of um, pass catcher, share backfield, Najee Harris. Uh, he's such a difficult one to pinpoint in terms of the level of trust that we can have with him. But you guys are a little bit higher than ECR this week. ECR has him at RB28. Pat, you've got him at RB25. Billy, RB26. Is there significant confidence in Jalen Warren here? Uh, Pat, I'll start off with you. What's How are you viewing, viewing Jalen Warren this week? Not a huge level of confidence um, for a player who most likely we're looking at getting like 8 to 11 touches. Um, but I don't know. I don't want to feel... I don't want to seem like I'm being reactionary after he had a season high 113 yards from scrimmage against the Titans last Thursday night and looked terrific in doing so. Um, but what I like about Warren is the involvement in the passing game. He's had three or more receptions 
in seven of his eight games this year. And uh, he's also having averaging seven carries a game. So there's at least a, a floor with his rushing usage. And he's averaging 4.7 yards per carry. So he's being efficient with those handoffs. Um, and you have to like the matchup this week. Uh, our Packers, Tara, they've given up the 11th most fantasy points to running backs. I think Warren's a pretty solid uh, flex-type play this week. It is an ideal matchup, despite what we saw last week. Um, Billy, how about you? Thoughts around Jalen Warren? Yeah, he's just been the more efficient back. Pat touched base on his yards per carry being at uh, 4.7. I mean, Najee's only at 3.8 through the season. Um, the same could be said in the passing game. Najee at uh, 6.7 yards per reception, and we see Jalen Warren at 7.2. Uh, I think that the Steelers see that Jalen Warren is the more explosive back. We saw it last week with his increased touches, and and he was constantly gaining chunk yardage down the field and running hard. Uh, and, and I think that at some point it has to speak into the, the amount of touches he's going to see as well as the snaps that he's getting on a week-to-week basis uh when we look at the snaps from last week surprisingly it was you know one of his lowest of the season despite uh one of his best games uh he saw a reduced target share he saw a reduced snap count um and he kind of saw a slightly above average rushing attempt uh, percentage but um I, i'd like to see him get closer to that 50 percent snap count like we saw in weeks eight and week five uh and and if he can can maintain that you know 11 to 13 percent target share which he's which we've been doing the last couple weeks gives him the floor but if we can get closer to what we saw any kind of the, in the absence of the wide receivers i don't think we're going to get that high but if we can get even uh, you know closer to 15 percent, then he really is going to have uh, a, a really solid floor in ppr leagues um i like jalen warren i like to match up and i think the sealers get him more involved I like that. I like the the mention of the floor there. A lot of these times with these, you know, secondary options and potential committees or backup roles that have standalone value, you're looking for that guy that can give you that floor in order to feel comfortable plugging him into that flex. And I think that's where Jalen Warren kind of separates himself. Now, moving on to the C tier here, we've got Tyler Algier, Devin Singletary, Zach Moss, Kareem Hunt, and Zach Charbonnet moving up in the rankings here. This is an interesting tier because we've got guys with potential, guys in split backfields as well, but they have some upside here. Um, Pat, for you, is there anyone that kind of stands out here? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if Moss should be this high anymore. Like, we really saw the bottom fallout with his touches last week, and I, I think now he's just kind of a change of pace guy. It's It's the Jonathan Taylor show again, as it should be. I mean, they gave him a lot of money to be this uh, heavy-duty workhorse running back, and he certainly got the talent to be that. So as nice a story as Zach Moss has been this season, I don't think you can lean on him in fantasy anymore. Just when we were starting to feel just a little bit more comfortable with him rest of season. Billy, how about you in this tier? Yeah, Kareem Hunt's usage has been uh, increasing uh, the last couple of weeks, and um, he's getting a little bit more efficient with it. Uh, the, the involvement inside of the goal line packages is, of course, where he's been the most valuable. Um, and so I, I think that uh, he's an interesting player inside this tier. I agree with Pat Moss's. I, this, this guy, I just haven't been able to figure it out this week. I, I rank him low, and he goes off and scores, you know, a touchdown on a goal line carry and, and sneaks into the top 20. I finally, you know, bite the bullet and, and, and start ranking him where he's been finishing, and then he doesn't get the touches and he finishes outside. So I give up on Zach Moss. I'm just going to, you know, follow as closely to the numbers as I possibly can and, and, and hope for the best with them. <laughs> Before we move on to the next tier, who are the pretenders? Who are the contenders? We are halfway through the NFL season, but DraftKings Sportsbook is still pumping out unbeatable offers every single game. New customers can bet just five bucks on anything to get $200 instantly in bonus bets. 
DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of a sweetener offer every game day this November. Maybe you want to look at lines for some of the players that we're covering here today, like Jalen Warren. You can do that on DraftKings. Get in on the football action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the app now and use code FANTASYPROS. New customers can bet just $5 on anything to get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code FANTASYPROS. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, Kansas. Licensee partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles, Louisiana. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in ontario bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance see sportsbook.draftkings.com football terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions terms and responsible gaming resources we're going to move on to the c minus tier here aj dylan tajay spears ezekiel elliott miles sanders this is an interesting group here i'm going to pull out one to talk about here it's going to be tajay spears Tajay Spears coming off a um, very interesting game here where he should have had a better stat line than he did. He had that big dropped pass where he kind of stumbled backwards, um, a deep ball from Will Levis. ECR has him at RB35. You guys are on opposite ends here with uh, Pat. You've got him at RB38. Billy, you've got him at RB32. Pat, I'll start off with you. Um, What's the hesitation here with Tajay Spears? Yeah, I mean, Spears has been really impressive in this supporting role he's had. But um, here's the thing. He had 11 carries for 88 yards in a standalone game last week against the Steelers. So everyone saw that and was wowed by it. Um, But the Pittsburgh run defense, really good matchup, not a a good unit. And it was the first time all year that Spears has had double-digit carries. The first time all year he's had more than 40 rushing yards in a game. Um, Like, He's not quite up to the sort of usage we've seen from Jalen Warren, like where he's getting a pretty steady 10 touches a game. I think Spears is averaging like two carries fewer and one catch fewer uh, than Warren per game. Um, And a pretty tough matchup this week against the Buccaneers, who've allowed the second fewest fantasy points to opposing running backs. So um, while he's close to RB3 value, I can't quite put Spears in that class in the rankings this week. Billy, how about you? You're at RB32 on him, so you're feeling him a little bit more. Are you thinking he's going to get some increased volume? Is it is it matchup that's kind of pushing him up a little bit here? Yeah, it's matchup uh, and his involvement in the passing game. He's seeing uh, 16% target share two weeks in a row. He's averaging 14 on the season. Uh, last week was his highest snap count of the, or let's just say snap percentage of the season at 60%. Um, in routes, he ran 58%, which was also the highest. But um, if we continue to see his usage in the passing game, 
game. I think it's going to uh, give him re- fantasy relevance on a week-to-week basis. The uh, starting quarterback, Will Levis now, I think adds a little a, a boost to his fantasy production as well. Um, I think defenses now have to respect uh, the, the, the pass. Uh, we saw DeAndre Hopkins go off a couple weeks ago. We know that he can at least push the ball down the field. Uh, defenders are not just going to load up the box, but I think that Levis gives himself another out and uh, utilizing Taji Spears now in back-to-back weeks together on the field at 16% target share gives him a nice little boost instead of the rankings. All right, moving on to the D-plus tier here. We've got Antonio Gibson, Justice Hill, Damian Pierce. It is a small tier here, but I, I, I mean, I kind of want to pull out Justice Hill here. Um, and no, actually, I'll, I changed my mind. I don't want to spoil us over there. We'll talk about Damian Pierce here. In terms of Damian Pierce, um, if he returns this week, you know, Pat, Billy, uh, Billy, I'll start off with you. Is there any, is there any part of you that wants to plug him into a starting lineup if he's active this week? No, I'm avoiding Damon Pierce at all. I mean, I've actually dropped him in leagues, just kind of released the grenade into the to the league and see who's going to you know land on it and take the fall and, and plug him <laughs> in their lineups and see if they can get a, a solid five to six points and kind of one of those gotcha moments, right? I, I just don't trust him anymore. Um, we're seeing a you know a three point uh, yard per yard per attempt average. Um, he's hardly utilizing the passing game at all. Uh, I mean, inactive last week, of course, but the previous two weeks, so that uh, week six and eight where there were active games, zero targets. Um, and so his his role in the passing game is diminished. He split time with Devin Singletary. Singletary started seeing more snaps. I'm avoiding Damon Pierce at the Black Plague, and I'm probably dropping him in leagues now. Oh, I envy you. I, I <laughs> wish that I could drop him. The only place I have him is on a dynasty team where there is absolutely no one that would ever want to buy him. So I'm stuck, stuck in purgatory with Damian Pierce. Pat, how about you? Um, thoughts around Damian Pierce real quick. Oh, man. Um, Billy thinks so little of him that he is employing the poison pill strategy <laughs> of releasing him <laughs> and hoping that other people in the league actually play him and, uh, you know, get lousy point totals out of him i'm a little more optimistic just because the low efficiency early in the season i think was directly related to the um it just abundance of injuries the texans had on the offensive line like they had one healthy starter the first couple of weeks so that sort of contributed to it but I do think the presence of Devin Singletary is um, permanent in this backfield. Unfortunately, it is going to be sort of a split backfield. So, um, yeah, like I'm not feeling great about having Pierce in my starting lineup. If he is active, uh, I'm not sure I'm quite as down on him as Billy is, hoping that other people will uh, use him and, you know, just giving him away. But, um, yeah, like it's hard to start him confidently these days. Enjoy your five points, Pat. (laughs) (laughs) i didn't say i was starting it myself this week billy but uh yeah i'm not releasing him though just yet Uh, moving on to the d tier here it's a bigger tier we've got a lot of guys to talk about we've got roshan johnson keaton mitchell julio mclaughlin samajay pirai jamal williams khalil herbert james connor we've touched on quite a few of these and talking about other backfields there like talking about roshan johnson and khalil herbert now looking at a guy that we want to pull out here uh uh, keaton mitchell is someone that we kind of want to pull out and talk about here coming off of the huge breakout performance here waiver wire darling of the week keaton mitchell rb42 you guys are on opposite hints here not dramatic but you know it's enough for us to have a nice little debate here 
Pat, you've got him at RB44. Billy, you have got him at RB40. ECR has him smack dab in the middle at RB42. Billy, I will start off with you. Keaton Mitchell coming off of this big game, but we have confirmation from the directly from the Ravens that this is going to be a three-man committee moving forward. They will all be involved. That said, is his presence in the three-man committee a good sign or a bad sign? Are you feeling more positively about him in terms of trending upward? I, I've been high on this kid since I watched tape coming out of college. Um, when I watch tape, I take notes. I, I make you know subtle little comparisons uh, before I dive in and give him comps. But this is one of the closest comps that I have seen to CJ2K um, in, in many years. And I was watching film and I went from Devon a chain to Keaton Mitchell. And I have to say on film, Keaton Mitchell actually looks quicker than Devon a chain. Statistically, a chain is actually faster, but it's those little twitch movements. It's the things that, that they just do when they, when they are avoiding tackles. Um, and Keaton Mitchell does them all well. And, and I, Loved his tape. I think he's super quick. 4.37 speed. He came out of East Carolina, same as CJ2K. Um, so I get a lot of kind of reminiscence of of, of, of the player. Um, I'm so upset. This is a player that I, I – so I'm in about 50 redraft leagues, and I drafted him in 85% of those leagues. When he had – he went to the IR, I held him the entire time. He comes back, I held him. Then he has that little hamstring tweak couple weeks ago and I dropped him in probably 75 to 80% of those leagues thinking that his time was over and Gus started scoring touchdowns every single game. And um, so here I am now outside looking in on a player who I've been high on all season um, after seeing his performance last week, it's gut wrenching knowing that I dropped him in all these leagues, but um, it, it shows that now that he's, he's capable of exactly what I thought he was going to be doing this season. Love his talent. I think that this committee is going to be closer to a three man approach than people think. And I don't think if you see him break off a 60 yard run, 50 yard run, it's going to be hard to keep him on the sideline in the committee. And especially when, when we look at what happened last week, when he did that, um, Gus the bus saw the lowest snaps he saw all season, 19% last week. Rushing attempts, he only saw 14%. Yes, he scored. It's, this is going to be one of those situations where it's going to be like a LeGarrette Blunt, where he just scores touchdowns on the goal line. It's going to so if, if Keaton Mitchell or Justice Hill can't score from 20 yards out, it's going to be Gus the bus time. So I lean on Keaton Mitchell for the overall fantasy points. I think it's the highest upside in this 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 backfield, but I think Gus has the safest floor. I love that you brought up Devin, Devin, uh, Devin H. Ann here, um, because I, I mentioned this in another show that I did. I didn't want to be off base here, not to make a direct comparison between the two in terms of the actual players, but more so the role within the team and the thought process of we didn't look at Devin H. Ann as someone who needed you know 20 carries to be productive. Those carries being on the lower end doesn't push us off of him because of the explosive nature of his talent and what he can do with those carries. So when looking at Keaton Mitchell, I kind of think along the same lines as you, those five to 10 carries can be a lot more valuable for a guy like Keaton Mitchell than it will be for a guy like Justice Hill. So I, that's such a good point there. Pat, for you, you're just a couple of spots back there on Keaton Mitchell. Are you just hesitating a little bit more or are you, are you buying in so? Yeah, I mean, and we know that people spent all this fab money on Keaton Mitchell, and it's like giving a child a toy at Christmas and, and telling them they have to leave it in the plastic. Like, no, you can't play with it just yet. Just look at it for a week. Um, 
Because, like, we don't want to... Not knowing what the role is going to be and having this really tough matchup against the Cleveland Browns, it's it's just, like, really difficult to start Mitchell this week, knowing the floor could be ridiculously low. It could be a, you know, 10-snap, two-touch game for Keaton Mitchell this week against a good defense. So uh, the question is what sort of role he's going to play going forward. Is he still, like, a distant third in this backfield? Is it a, a messy, like, co-equal three-way split or does he maybe start to supplant Justice Hill a little bit as the lightning to Gus Edwards' thunder? Or maybe just kind of supplant both Hill and Edwards, um, you know, and turn out to be more of a workhorse? Because, like, I think we think Todd Munkin is a pretty sharp mind as the offensive coordinator. And, um, boy, I'm, I'm sure, you know, just as uh, Mike McDaniel appreciates speed, I'm sure Todd Munkin does, too, and, and sees this guy with extraordinary speed. Like, this is exceptional HN. Chris Johnson type speed, uh, game breaking speed. So I would think he would want to get Keaton Mitchell a prominent role, but until we see it, it's hard to fully embrace it and recommend Mitchell as a week 10 starter. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I, one thing in terms of bringing up Justice Hill that maybe we can hit on there is that Justice Hill um, did get the bulk of the carries, but a lot of those carries, in terms of people were wondering which one was getting the garbage time there, it was Justice Hill in that blowout. So I think you're right, Pat. Right. Maybe what we can lean on here is the thought that he has or is or in the near future will surpass um, Justice Hill in that backfield. But we're waiting to use our brand new shiny toy, holding it on the bench and <laughs> hoping that we can break it out and finally use it in next week or a couple of weeks or something. We're hopeful here. All right, moving on to the D minus tier here. It's our last tier. We've got Keontae Ingram, Rico Dowdle, Joshua Kelly, Latavius Murray, Elijah Mitchell. This is the handcuffed here, here for sure. Um, but is there anyone here that could have some standalone value potentially, Pat? Probably not. Um, Latavius, we were optimistic that he was going to have it. But, um, you know, it's funny. He's getting replaced by the younger man, Leonard Fournette. We don't typically <laughs> think of Leonard Fournette as a younger man. But when we're talking about 33-year-old Latavius Murray, um, yes, so... Boy, there's no one. I mean, if you're starting anyone from this tier, you're probably in a 16-team deep bench league and, uh, you know, getting hit hard by buys. So hopefully no one has to dig into the D-minus tier. Hopefully, hopefully not. Uh, Billy, maybe like from a handcuffing perspective, out of all of these guys, which is your preferred one that you would like to hold on your bench? I don't think that I, – if I'm holding on, if we're just talking about holding on, then we're, I'm going to say it has to be Rico Dowdle because um, if anything happened to Pollard, then Rico is going to be you know seeing a bulk of the carries there. Uh, if I'm in a desperation play this week, though, I'm probably going to go Keontae Ingram. I know that we have James Conner coming back, but we also have – uh, Murray coming back, the offense could probably be a little bit more efficient. They're probably not going to give Connor his normal workload. So Keontae Ingram probably has at least a floor worked in. I'm not going to say he's going to be efficient. I'm not going to say he's going to get you a lot of points, but he's probably going to see the most touches of this group and give you the option to at least have a few more points. Oh, am I the only one excited to see this Arizona offense here? I'm, I'm happy. This is my happy place. And maybe it's just because I like have – either Kyler Murray or James Conner in like 50% of my leagues. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and uh, like it wasn't a totally 
I don't know, a totally moribund offense with uh, Josh Dobbs at quarterback and now getting Kyler uh, back. And like maybe that helps unlock Trey McBride, Michael Wilson, a couple of these young pass catchers. Like I'm I'm kind of excited, too. It's a good crew. It's a good crew here. Let's move on to our next segment. We're going to do a game called Who Would You Rather? And this is a fun game where we're one running back versus the other. Which one has the upside here? Which one do we want to use? And this is a good little grouping here that we've got here for our first one. We've got James Cook. We kind of touched on him a little bit earlier. Is a top, a fringe top 20 back still sneaking in there. Or Jameer Gibbs versus the Chargers. This one is very interesting here because we've seen the uptick huge uptick in breakout performances of Jameer Gibbs, absent David Montgomery. Uh, Looking at this and assuming that we're going to have David Montgomery back here, um, Billy, I'll start off with you. James Cook or Jameer Gibbs? I'm going to go Jameer Gibbs. We talked earlier about James Cook and kind of the inconsistent usage, and uh, I just don't fully trust the player. The matchup's better, but I just don't fully trust how they're deploying him. Uh, Jameer Gibbs, to me, has earned more playing time. We've seen him uh, heavily involved in the passing game. He's been very explosive on the ground as of late. David Montgomery definitely throws a damper in that and is going to be uh, kind of pumping the brakes. But I do think we're going to see closer split than what we saw prior to David Montgomery being injured. Um, and I just like the offensive line as well here for the uh, Lions. And so I'm going to lean Jameer Gibbs here. I have him about three spots separate in the rankings, and 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 that's going to be favorited towards Gibbs. Pat, how about you? I'm with Billy on this one with Gibbs. Like, I'm not totally giving up hope on James Cook. He's RB20 in my rankings this week. I don't know if his light usage against the Bengals last week was a sign of things to come or if um, if it's going to be okay even with Leonard Fournette here. But I'm maybe a little bit nervous about the future for uh, Gibbs and his startability going forward. Um Maybe Gibbs is the genie we just can't stick back in the bottle or uh, that the Lions can't stick back in the bottle because he showed out while David Montgomery was hurt. And I think we're going to see something closer to a 50-50 split than what we were seeing in the first few weeks of the season where it was Montgomery dominating touches. I'm with you guys. It is a 3-0 sweep. Although I do still think it's going to be dominant from David Montgomery, but maybe what I'm leaning into here is that they can just lean on the run a little bit more, limit the workload for Matt Stafford and that receiving core. Amon Ross St. Brown obviously leading the way, but outside of that, just leaning into these talented running backs because they've got to. Why not utilize both of them? So I lean towards Jameer Gibbs as well. For the second, who would you rather? We've got Zach Charbonnet versus the Commanders or Zach Moss versus the Patriots. We touched a little bit on Zach Moss earlier. We did not talk about Zach Charbonnet, though. So Zach Charbonnet versus Zach Moss, the Battle of the Zachs. Pat, who do you have here? I have Charbonnet one spot higher. And um, Moss played only 13 of the Colts' 61 snaps last week, 21% snap share. And as I mentioned earlier, I I think the Colts have returned to uh, Jonathan Taylor getting his rightful workhorse usage, um, which means just change of pace work for Moss. And and Charbonnet, meanwhile, has outsnapped Kenneth Walker in each of the last two weeks. Um, Billy and Tara, give me your take on this. Do you think... Do you think that's mainly because of the calf injury Kenneth Walker has been dealing with? Or do you think we're going to start to see something of a backfield split going forward with Seattle? Because I'm 
I'm not sure what to believe myself, but I do know that Charbonnet is a good player, and Pete Carroll generally finds ways to get good players on the field. For me, it's it's interesting. I kind of was making that excuse with the calf in that first week. And then after that, I was like, okay, well, they lost in a massive blowout. Of course, that definitely favors Zach Charbonnet. But I feel like I can't make excuses anymore. And I just feel like we have to come to terms with the fact that this might be leaning more towards, at the very least, a 60-40. I do still think the touchers are going to lean in uh, Kenneth Walker's favor, maybe goal line as well. But if they're not increasing um, the productivity that they have on the ground and those opportunities at the end zone aren't really there for him. I get a little bit worried that we're going to see more Zach Charbonnet kind of creeping in here. Billy, how about you? I think it's injury related. They had two tough matchups as well. Cleveland, Baltimore. I don't think they wanted to risk injury to um, Kenneth Walker, especially they're a playoff team right now. And so middle of the season, they want to get him some rest. They've already passed their bye. Um, they have to be cautious with their uh, lead running back moving forward for the rest of the season. They have some interconference games around the corner, weeks 11 and 12 against the Rams and San Francisco. So there's some big matchups that are going to have some uh, playoff complications uh, or implications, I should say. Um, and I think that they want to have their star running back healthy by then. And so I think that the increase in touches and snaps is directly um, related to the calf injury with Walker as they kind of ease him back into the mix. Because uh, if we look at the breakdown of the snaps prior to that calf injury, it was 79% snaps, 76% snaps Walker to Zach Charbonnet's 22-24. Um, it was, you know, it, it was a pretty drastic change here. As soon as the calf injury started, drastic change in snaps, they have to be related. Let's hope so. All right. I am. I think I'm with you guys, though. I, I lean towards Zach Charbonnet. And for me, I think it's very matchup dependent there. We saw the commander's defense be taken advantage of from running backs last week. So maybe Zach Charbonnet, even if Kenneth Walker does get the bulk of the workload here, can see increased usage and be productive given the matchup. So that's why I lean that direction on him over Zach Moss. Wide receivers. Now we'll start here with our top 30 wide receivers. Of these top 30 wide receivers, as a reminder, guys, our consensus rankings and tiers can be found at fantasypros.com rankings. Billy, in this top 30, is there any player that really stands out to you here? It's nice to see Michael Pittman actually inside the top 12. I've been consistently higher than ECR on him just based upon the usage we've seen uh, 31% target share or higher the past two weeks is 31% or higher for three times a season as well. Uh, we saw the downs and kind of ranged that knee last week. We expect this target share to be condensed. Pittman probably sees closer to 33, 34% again this week. Um, so like the usage. And I think that, uh, that's going to prop up the fantasy score. Oh, I agree with you so much. I am a Michael Pittman stan, and he's one of my favorite trade targets because it, no one values him as an RB1, so you can get him at very decent value, and he's so consistent. Double-digit targets. I mean, what more can you ask for in a wide receiver one? Pat, what stands out to you in this top 30? T Higgins at wide receiver 10. Like it did not take long for the confidence level in T Higgins to <laughs> shoot back up through the roof after, um, you know, we know that the, the Bengals struggled with the passing game early with Joe Burrow, not fully healthy. And then T Higgins wasn't fully healthy. And so we got one good game out of T Higgins 
uh, through the first half of the season, basically. But then we got another good game out of him in week nine, and all of a sudden everyone is ready to get back on board the bandwagon. I think it's a little high. But it is good that I think, you know, now we're just starting T. Higgins unconditionally again and feeling good about it. I agree with you. I'm glad he's a start. And those of you listening on the podcast, you can't see, but I do have on a Clemson shirt. As you know, I'm a a Clemson alumni, Clemson girly, Clemson stand in all ways, shape and form. Um, But I too like Pat and like just kind of reeling it back a little bit right here because we know things can be a little volatile with T. Higgins, but I'm glad to see the increased confidence in him. Again, for in-depth analysis on these players, go to fantasypros.com slash rankings. And for updated rankings, make sure that you're using our My Playbook app. Before we dive into these tiers, November is one of the best months for sports. We're deep into the NFL season. The NBA and the NHL are in full swing. And college football is delivering some fantastic matchups. While we love watching our favorite teams on television, there is nothing better than being at a game live and in person. And the best way to get tickets to any of these games is on GameTime, the official ticketing app of Fantasy Pros Fantasy Football. Let's look at what's happening on GameTime in my city of Houston. Looks like GameTime is offering flash deals on the Rockets this week, so you can check that out. And I can see the view from every seat in the house. I love how easy this is to use. GameTime is the only ticketing app that gives you peace of mind with your purchase. So take the guesswork out of buying tickets with GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and redeem code FANTASYPROS for $20 off your first purchase. Term supply. Again, create an account and redeem code FANTASYPROS. That's FANTASYPROS, all one word, for $20 off. Download GameTime today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, we are going to start off here with our B tier. We've got Tank Dell, Calvin Ridley, Marquise Brown, Jordan Addison, Gabe Davis. This is a star studded tier, but leading off the tier is Tank Dell moving his way up in the rankings off of that huge, huge performance in week nine. You love to see it, but maybe you, Pat, and Billy don't love to see it as much. ECR has him at wide receiver 24. Pat, you've got him at wide receiver 31. Billy, you've got him at wide receiver 32. He has been a volatile player, but you guys are not quite buying in that that is going to repeat for us this week. Pat, I'll start off with you. Volatile sums it up pretty well, Tara. Uh, We might have the new Deshaun Jackson here. Small, fast, (laughs) and extremely streaky. Um, Tank Dell has had three games with more than 20 PPR points, and he's had four games with fewer than eight and a half PPR points. So um, the target counts have been pretty inconsistent. Season high 11 targets last week, and he had a 10-target game back in week two. Uh, But Tank Dell has also seen four or fewer targets in four out of his seven games, that's more than half his games where he's had four or fewer targets. So um, Texans aren't especially pass heavy. They're right in the middle of the pack as far as run pass ratio. And the Bengals are not an especially favorable matchup for wide receivers. So, yes, I mean, I'm I'm optimistic about Tank Dell. I, I think you're probably starting him if you have him under most circumstances. But wide receiver 24 seems like a bit of an ECR overreaction to his smashing performance in week nine. 
It is a big jump there. You mentioned the Texans being fairly even in terms of their run-pass ratio. Um, I got to ask you, Pat, should they be? <laughs> Considering that we've talked about the rankings, we mentioned Damian Pierce and his uh, potentially coming back here, but how it's not super appealing, unfortunately, because of the lack of success of this Texans run game. Um is it possible that we see Houston maybe do the right thing and increase pass volume here? Yeah, you would think with as good as they have been through the air and as uh, erratic as they've been on the ground that they should be more pass heavy. But I, I do understand why offensive coordinator Bobby Slowick, who's, who's done a really nice job this season, is maybe trying to protect C.J. Stroud a little bit by um, trying to strive for offensive balance. But I would like to see Slowick throw a little more on first down. On first down, I think the Texans have been one of the run heaviest teams in the league, if not the run heaviest. Um, so, you know, keep those keep those defenses off balance. Open it up a little and, and throw on first down, Bobby. I like the logic there. Billy, how about you? You were further back as well. Got him at wide receiver 32. What is the hesitation here with Tank Dow? Yeah, it's just the inconsistent usage. Um, we saw 28% target share last week. And uh, to Pat's point about week two, he saw above 20% there as well, 23%. But for the past three weeks, he saw 19%, 13%, 12%. So um, and so we can get a consistent, steady usage. I'm just not comfortable ranking him much higher than where we have him right now in the in, inside of the uh, rankings and the algorithm. Um, that being said, it is one of the highest over-unders of the week. Uh, who would have thought Houston would have been considered a shootout um, Come the, if we would have talked about this at the beginning of the season? Um, but after we saw the C.J. Stroud performance for 470 yards and five scores, um, it opens up the door now for uh, – shootout against Cincinnati. So I think that he has potential to outperform this, but it is going to be a boom bust scenario. Um, he could significantly underperform as well as outperform. So this is one of those kind of uh, park it in the middle and, and, and we're going to kind of rely on the consistent sub 20% production. Yes. Good point. It's crazy that Houston has come into the passing offense has done so well that they've gone into this team that can potentially put up extremely high numbers. Now a shootout team, offensive juggernaut led by CJ Stroud, the times we live in. Moving on to the B minus tier, we've got Cortland Sutton here, Zay Flowers, George Pickens, Jahan Dotson, a fun little tier here, but we're going to start off at the top here and pull out Cortland Sutton. A uh, guy that is coming off of the bye week, in my mind, I kind of, you know, I had to go back and look to try and remember what kind of production, because I felt like we were getting strong production out of him before the bye week. He had three straight weeks with a touchdown, but if you look at the fantasy points there, not super encouraging. Touchdown dependent, the offense there for the Broncos, just kind of struggling in general. Well, ECR has him at wide receiver 30. You guys are on opposite ends here. Pat, you've got him at our wide receiver 27. Billy, you've got him all the way back at wide receiver 36. You're on the more hesitant side around Cortland Sutton here. Are you worried that the volume just won't be there for him, Billy? It, it's. I think you you touched base on it. It's been very touchdown dependent. Um, I, I think the, the usage has been pretty steady. That 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 kind of six target range on average. Um, he's had some weeks above that, but if he's not scoring a touchdown, it's it's hard for him to get inside the top thirty uh, on a week to week basis. Buffalo, in terms of matchup, middle of the pack against wide receivers. So um, this is going to break down to Russell Wilson and 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 hitting his his weapons. And I think Cortland Sutton has ability to do it. And if he gets a score, he's gonna he's not produce my ranking, but if he doesn't, then uh, I think we're going to see him about where I'm at or even lower. So um, it's just tough when someone is this dependent upon touchdowns to really to really rank him, especially at a wide receiver. If we were consistently seeing 
um, you know, seven, eight plus targets and, 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 and the usage was consistent, then I think it'd be a little easier to project. Very dependent on Russell Wilson having a good game. Big primetime matchup. They did not flex them out of there. We've got big primetime matchup for him against the Buffalo Bills. Hopefully he can perform. Pat, you're feeling a little bit more positively. Not super ahead of ECR, but you've got him at wide receiver 27. Talk to us about Cortland Sutton. Yeah, boy, he is a hard player to rank right now. And I I hate having a nine spot rankings gap between me and Billy, which never makes me feel good because, you know, as sharp as Billy is being that far off from his take on it is a little bit concerning. Um, Yeah, touchdown dependent is also not what I really like in a player's profile, but he has scored six touchdowns in eight games and a touchdown in three straight. I, I guess where I'm getting confused here is that like he hasn't drawn more than six targets in a game since late September, which is bad. But on the other hand, the Broncos have been not throwing much at all lately. Uh, Russell Wilson is averaging 25.8 pass attempts over his last five games. And I don't know if that's necessarily how Sean Payton wants to play all the time. Like I, I don't get the sense that he is trying to hide Russell Wilson. Um, but two of those five games were against Kansas City. And I, I do think it makes sense to run the ball and try to play keep away from Patrick Mahomes and, and keep the KC offense off the field. Um, two more of those games were against the Jets and Packers, who I think are run funnel defenses where, you know, they're much easier to run on than to throw on. So basically, I, I don't know if Sutton's target totals are going to be this chronically low. And, um, you know, we've shown a guy who's or have seen a guy who's shown that he can make plays and get into the end zone. So I guess I'm cautiously optimistic that Sutton can be startable this week against the Bills and that he'll get more than the the half dozen targets that he seems to be getting now every week. That's a really good point. I think you might have convinced me to move him up just a tiny bit here. You know, we do have this, these matchups that have been a little bit more run friendly. We've seen Javante Williams with some more pop in him. So maybe we do, now that we're out of this bye week, see a little bit more increase in pass volume here. Let Russell Wilson mildly cook a little bit here. Moving on to the C plus tier, we've got Jacoby Myers. Jerry Judy, who we just talked about the Denver offense with. We've got Demario Douglas. Christian Watson, Jackson Smith and Jigba, and Michael Thomas closing out the tier. We want to talk about two guys in this tier. First guy that we want to pull out here is Jacoby Myers. Jacoby Myers, unfortunately, did not benefit from the uh, switch to Aiden O'Connell there. Uh, he did get the touchdown, so that helped his fantasy performance. But overall, from the actual receiver's perspective... Not fantastic, but ECR has him at wide receiver 34, but you guys are maybe feeling a little bit towards me in terms of the skepticism of what he can produce in this new Raiders offense. We've got Pat, you've got him at wide receiver 38. Billy, you've got him at wide receiver 42. Billy, I'll start off with you. Are you concerned about the level of volume that Jacoby Myers can have in this offense moving forward? Yeah, the volume is the concerning piece. I mean, in the last two weeks, he's only seen six targets. Uh, He's only combined for 57 yards. And prior to that, he was seeing upwards of 13 targets a game, 12 targets a game, 10 targets a game, consistently in that like 25 to 30% target share. Um, And the last couple of weeks, 21%. Last week, 5% week eight. The chemistry is just not there with Aiden O'Connell that he had with Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, we had a pretty consolidated target tree with Jimmy Garoppolo in it was Kobe Myers, Devonte Adams, um, and 
Josh Jacobs. That was it. It was literally like 80% of the total targets plus were going to those three individuals. And it was very easy to project. Uh, Aiden O'Connell throwing the kind of spreading the ball around a little bit more and making it a little bit uh, a little bit less predictive. Um, the only one getting his consistent target still is Devonte Adams, um, and even then we saw last week he wasn't you know uh, really targeted until late into the second quarter. So I, I, I do think that um, the usage is is alarming. I think that the switch in quarterback and the chemistry has a lot to do with it, um, and I just don't have the comfort that I once had in the beginning of the season with Jacoby Myers. Pat, what are your feelings around Jacoby Myers? Yeah, um, as Billy mentioned, the target's uh, outlook is not as bright as it used to be. Um, in two Aiden O'Connell starts, we've seen Devontae Adams draw 20 targets and Jacoby Myers draw nine. And um, the quality of targets from a rookie day three pick is probably going to leave something to be desired. And, oh, by the way, the Raiders are going to be playing the Jets, whose secondary is a no-fly zone. Uh, They've allowed the fewest fantasy points to opposing wide receivers, and by a pretty wide margin, too. So, uh, yeah, I I have him wide receiver 38. Billy's got him wide receiver 42. I'm thinking Billy's got the better ranking here. I probably need to move Myers down a little further. Oh, yeah, I am with you guys. Not consensus. You also mentioned that matchup right there. Um, Just one of the most incredibly difficult matchups that you can have. They even took out Keenan Allen last week. So I agree with you guys on this one. We also got one more player to cover here in this tier. Demario Douglas, we talked about him last week. I think we dove into him in detail here. And while it wasn't a spectacular performance by any means. And I don't know that any of us were really expecting that. He did have a solid target share within the offense. We saw a little more juju than we wanted to see, but it was overall a good game, right? At double digit fantasy points. ECR has got him at wide receiver 36. And you guys are feeling Douglas this week as well. Pat, just a little bit more than ECR at wide receiver 34. Billy, a lot more at wide receiver 26. Billy, I'll start off with you because I want to talk about the happy times coming with Demario Douglas. The Pope gave his blessing when I've submitted that picture on Twitter um, of him holding so up the Demario Douglas. <laughs> um, he finished right where we were talking about him last week as that wide receiver 31. Um, and so right about where, where we said that he belonged, he had that finish and he had seven targets, 55 yards, wasn't outstanding, but it was flex worthy. Um, this week, yeah, I think the usage is going to be pretty pretty consistent. Uh, I do think Juju's going to be involved. I don't think that's going away, but I do think tomorrow Douglas is still going to be the favorite of the of the bunch. Um, back to the matchup, like to like Colts has given up the 14th most fantasy points to the wide receiver position, um, and um, I, I think that um, they're going to get into a rhythm here tomorrow. Douglas, um, if he just has if if he can score, great. But if not. The usage we saw last week is going to put him in this range again. So I think this is that wide receiver 26 to 33 range is probably where he's going to settle when everything is said and done with the rankings this week. Makes sense. Patriots sitting here in this nice little, nice little matchup schedule here. They've got a good little block here. Pat, you're a little bit higher as well on Demario Douglas. Uh, Talk to us about him. How are you feeling this week? The, the trend is good with the 83% snap share for him last week, season high, two straight weeks with seven targets, two straight weeks with five receptions. I think Demario Douglas is going to continue to be the Patriots' number one receiver going forward. Um, the only reason why maybe not quite as high on Billy is with him is that um, he, he's got kind of a tricky individual matchup. I think he's probably going to see Kenny Moore 
on most of his routes. And uh, while I don't think Kenny Moore is going to have two pick sixes again this week, uh, I, I do think, you know, he's still one of the better um, slot corners in the game. So maybe that limits the upside a little bit for Demario Douglas, but I'm, I'm still going to be rolling him out in a couple of leagues myself. And uh, I'm still pretty bullish. Mm, you make a really, really good point there. We're still we're still in, but there there are some mitigating factors that could happen here. And in, at the end of the day, we got to trust in Mac Jones, and that's asking a lot from us. Uh oh. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I think we're all in consensus on that one. <laughs> All right, before we move on to our next segment, guys, if you are struggling with fantasy punishments this year, we've got you covered. Give the last place loser in your league the trophy that they deserve by immortalizing their epic fail with Trophy Smack's teeny tiny loser title belt. This mini title belt has loser written all over it, literally. To win, all you need to do is subscribe to the Fantasy Pros YouTube channel right now. Drop a comment on any video, and that's it. We'll be announcing the winner right here on the Fantasy Pros YouTube channel, so make sure you turn on those notifications so you can know when new videos are up and to claim your prize. All right, let's do a Who Would You Rather segment here. We're going to start off with George Pickens versus the Packers or Jahan Dotson versus the Seahawks. These are two guys on very opposite trajectories here. We don't know if they're going to stick because it's so different from their utilization earlier in the season. Uh, Pat, I'll start out with you. George Pickens or Jahan Dotson? Oh, man, yeah. And I'm I'm going to take the guy on the downward trajectory uh, with George Pickens. Like, just three catches the last two weeks. And I realize the return of... Um, Deontay Johnson puts a dent in Pickens' value. He's simply not going to be a high-volume target earner with Deontay around, but still a very good receiver, still a dangerous big play threat. Um, Meanwhile, Dotson has been wide receiver four in fantasy scoring the last two weeks after being a guy people were cutting a few weeks ago from their teams. Um, So I still prefer Pickens, even though the gap between these two has undeniably narrowed. Um, I, I just, I still think Pickens is the better and more, slightly more reliable player. Billy, how about you? Yeah, my heart is telling me, or my my mind is telling me, Pat is right. My heart is saying to lean Jahan Dotson here. It's one of those, <laughs> it's one of those play on your heart strings because he's been so much better. Um, if I follow just the last couple of weeks, I have to say Jahan Dotson. And I think the matchup is also a little bit better this week. Um, but from a talent standpoint I, and, and what I mean, Pickens able to score almost any play um, across the field if he's, if he's hit properly. The problem is you've just been getting lack of targets. Um, if I follow my rankings, it's going to say Pickens. But part of me wants to say I, I'm copping out here. I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> Do I have to pick? No, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna say Jahan Dawson. I'm gonna go match up here because it's this close for me. I'll I'll make you feel a little bit better about it, and I will say Jahan Dotson too. I am hoping we're not 100 sure around Curtis Samuel right now, but I am hoping that after seeing multiple weeks of how wonderful this is and it clicking with the offense, it's been working out well for Sam Howell as well that they can. Just continue down this path of letting Jahan Dotson have good volume. So that is where I'm just crossing my fingers, thinking that that's the direction we're heading. And I'll lean into Dotson by just a smidge. The second one here that we've got here is Romeo Dobbs versus the Steelers or Jackson Smith and Jigba versus the Commanders. 
Dobbs could have an uptick in production here. Maybe if Christian Watson dealing with a variety of injuries, unfortunately. Um, Jackson Smith and Jigba, third in the pecking order, theoretically. But he's been making a push lately. Uh, Billy, I'll start off with you. Who would you rather? This is oddly close. I, I'm never going to pick Jackson Smith and Jigba. I, I just have this, <laughs> this thing against him inside the Seattle offense. It's, I guess it's now a personal vendetta against his, his, his third wide receiver status. <laughs> but um, Romeo has is, is been inconsistent usage, to say the least, the last few weeks. But um, if we look at just from a, uh, an opportunity standpoint, who has the ability to uh, get a touchdown? Who has the ability to see 25% targets on any given week? The answer to me is going to be Romeo. Um, so when we look at these type of players and we're going to say who has the best chance to potentially have the most fantasy points in our lineup, um, Romeo seen you know, 23% target share week eight last week. We, he only saw 13, but prior to that, he saw anywhere from 38% down to 13%. So uh, the inconsistency I'm going to lean into right now with that and say that he also has the highest ceiling. Um, I think we can all agree. Jackson Smith, the jib was the better talent, but he's still the third, the third option in the passing game um, inside the Seattle offense. Pat, how about you? Billy summed that up pretty well. Um, I, man, as much as I want to embrace JSN, um, it, it's hard when he hasn't had more than seven targets in any game this season and is third in the pecking order, which had this been the early part of 2022, where Geno Smith was just, you know, going on an MVP type level, uh, third receiver might be fantasy viable, but Geno has sort of turn back into early career Gino, unfortunately. So it's, uh, you know, he's having enough trouble just supporting DK and Tyler Lockett, let alone three receivers. So, um, yeah, even though Dobbs has tapered off, I mean, only 10 catches for 86 yards in his last four games. You mentioned it, Tara. Christian Watson is kind of ailing a little bit. And um, even though Seattle gets a pretty good matchup with the Washington pass defense, which is definitely not good, um, Seattle's corners aren't great either. They, they, or I mean, uh, the Steelers corners other than Joey Porter jr. They can be had a little bit. And if the Packers offensive line can give Jordan love a little bit of time against the Steelers pass rush, hopefully, uh, Romeo Dobbs has a bit of a bounce back game here. I lean towards agreeing with you guys as well. I, I wish I wish I could go with JSN on this one because the matchup is ideal. But you you mentioned Geno Smith and the lack of confidence there that we've been able to have in him. I think that's really ultimately what helps push this decision forward. We're going to do one more game here. Flex appeal. This is where we are combining players from different positions. Pat and Billy, I'm going to give you three players who fall into the flex zone. And you guys are going to tell me how you would order these three players. Pat, I'm going to start off with you. The first one we got here is Jerome Ford versus Michael Thomas versus Jerry Judy. Let's go old school with the running back at the top, Jerome Ford, then Michael Thomas, then Jerry Judy. Um, Ford's matchup against the Ravens, yes, it's a difficult one, but 25 touches for Jerome Ford last week and a 64% snap share against the Cardinals in a blowout. Um, he's back to being the Browns' lead running back after uh, you know the, the high ankle sprain scare. They called it a minor high ankle sprain. I guess it was because he's, he's back and getting a lot of work. Billy, how about you? 
Same order. I'm going running back first here. Michael Thomas, then Jerry Judy. Uh, especially Jerome Ford has been heavily involved in the passing game, 25% of the targets last week. And when we look at the uh, two-minute drill um, and them trailing, he has seen 100% of the snaps inside of those drills and those and those packages. So uh, tough matchup this week. Baltimore probably trailing. Going to see a lot of him inside those packages. 100% of the snaps. I'll take it all day and bank the points at the running back position. I agree with you guys. It's been good to see Ford involved in that pass game, despite the fact that Kareem Hunt is there and has those capabilities as well. All right. Moving on to the next one, we have got Antonio Gibson versus Tyler Boyd versus Trey McBride with Kyler Murray coming back. Billy, how do you have this one? You know, uh, Antonio Gibson has been kind of sneaky as of late, and um, I, I do think I'd probably lean into him this game. I uh, saw 43% of the snaps last week. Uh, he's kind of had this trajectory moving up inside the passing game again. Uh, he kind of had a lull in, in, in you know, weeks uh, five, and, or sorry, six and seven in the passing game, but back to double digit targets, 12% last week, 10% the week before. Uh, I'm going to lean into the, the hot hand right now, Antonio Gibson, and, and I think that he's the best bank here or the, the, the best bet inside of this group. I'd agree with that. Pat, how about you? Billy, don't fall for the Antonio Gibson thing. You know he's going to fumble and he's going to go right to the bench again. Like, as soon as he puts the ball on the ground, like, that's his last touch for the game. And, uh, you know, if you start him, you're going to wind up with two touches. Um, So I'm going to go Tyler Boyd, Trey McBride, Antonio Gibson. This is pretty close here, granted. But um, give me the piece of the red-hot Cincinnati Bengals passing game. Granted, Tyler Boyd is not really our first choice of pieces in that passing game. Yes, we'd rather have Jamar Chase or Clemson product T. Higgins, uh, but I'll I'll settle for Tyler Boyd and hope that maybe, you know, it's the uh, one in three or four Tyler Boyd games we get every year. <laughs> I, I, I still think I have Antonio Gibson as the one that I am going to lean into. Just he's, you know, I know that it's so hard to trust him because it can disappear so fast, but I'm still going to lean into the volume that he's been seeing lately. Then Tyler Boyd, then Trey McBride. That wraps things up for our weekly rankings. If you have any questions about lineups, trades, or anything, we are live each and every Sunday or each and every Thursday on YouTube at 3 p.m. EST, 12 p.m. PST, taking your questions live. And if you want to see more advice from Pat, go check out his rankings. Just go to fantasypros.com slash fits and make sure that you also go and check out Billy's work on Player Profiler. You can find Billy at Fmuseo. You can find Pat at Fitz underscore FF. And you can find me at It's Stereotype for Pat Fitzmorris. For Billy Muzio, I'm Tara Roberts. Thank you for tuning in. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Pros Fantasy Football Podcast. Follow us on X, Instagram, and TikTok at Fantasy Pros. And subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash fantasy pros. For all the parents out there, picture that it's bedtime. You and the kids have been busy all day. 
You know they're tired, but for some reason, they just won't go to sleep. And for this reason, I created the podcast Bedtime History. Bedtime History is a series of relaxing history stories that end with an inspirational message. With over 2,000 positive parent reviews, Bedtime History is one of the top education podcasts. Join me and listen to Bedtime History every Monday and Thursday on iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Last season on the Choosing Sides F1 podcast, we established unequivocally that F1 is the pinnacle of motorsports. We did, but honestly, I was left with more questions than answers, Tony. I'm Tony Cam Brown, a tech, culture, and F1 commentator. And I'm Michael Costa, comedian from The Daily Show. Join us for season two of Choosing Sides F1. Our F1 102, if you will. And get all of the answers. All of them? Listen to Choosing Sides F1 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Davis Miller, host of the new podcast, The Tao of Muhammad Ali. I met Ali in 1988, and surprisingly, we became friends. His influence profoundly changed my perspective on the purpose of life itself. I'll tell you that story, and also stories of others touched by the champ. Listen to The Tao of Muhammad Ali on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.